Welcome to Central Queensland Region's Leading and Learning Podcast. These are informal conversations between leaders about educational issues and initiatives. We share them to inspire and inform you so that you may have a greater influence through your instructional leadership. custodians of the land across central Queensland on which we play, learn and work. I respect and honour Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past, present and emerging. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander educators listening. I recognise the stories, traditions and living cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples on this land and commit to building a brighter future together. Hi, I'm Trudy Graham, your host for the show. I'm an Assistant Regional Director in Central Queensland based in the Rockhampton office. And today I have with me Sophie Yasso. Welcome, Sophie. How are you? How are you going, darling? I am well, thank you. And look, let's do the typical CQ way of checking in. One word barometer, how are you, Sophie? And our conversation starter, what are you most proud of from the last year? My words, my words. Um, I think I feel very grateful. This is the second day of term three, and I've been in two schools already. I'm totally enjoying it. Why grateful is because um, I can see change um, since I've been here in the 13 years of uh, regional CEC in this office, and it's quite deadly to see. Um, um, like ours, having great conversations with me and um, asking for help and building capability when I'm not there. That's what I'm grateful for. And what are you most proud of, Sophie? Well, Trini, look out. I have got um, two scholarships to do teaching. So oh, that's my good, that's my deadly proud thing. I've, I've never, I would have never thought that I'd start teaching at this age. Um, I always thought I'd want to be a teacher, but I didn't know how. So these two scholarships, one's from Stronger Smarter, and I've got the Pearl Duncan this year. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Oh, my gosh. Didn't I tell you? No. (laughs) That's awesome. Yes. I haven't actually told too many people. But, yeah, that's the two. I'm very proud. And I've started um, my steps in teaching this year, so um, I'm slowly, slowly getting used to going back to school and learning a different way of learning in the university. So quite proud of myself. Yeah, Sophie, that is so awesome. And I'm proud of you too. That's oh, to hug me. So you do. Yeah, <laughs> that's so good. And so needed. We need more yeah. educators that have yeah. different cultural backgrounds that role models for our students, but also to help guide all educators, That's you know, right. your peers who are teachers and leaders. So, yeah, I want to um, be a role model, Trudy. Um, strongest Somali, I will be a role model for girls to go into anything science. And one of the CECs told me the other day, you know what, this is what we need. We'll be watching you, we'll see how you go because we all, we all want to do it, but we're too scared. Oh, wow. So, it's just, yeah. Too many pressures, but I'm enjoying it. I really am. Oh, that's great. Well, I hadn't thought about that either. So there's actually adults that are looking at what you're doing. That's wonderful. (laughs) I know, right? I didn't realise until someone said, you know, a university person, uh, one of my mentors, 
Indigenous man, he said, so if I want to, if you get through this, in your age, or you know, do it out of Warabinda, or because there's there's so many fifty year olds that are out there that can that want to help, mm. but um, afraid to go into that teaching qualification, which they can do. Yeah. Oh, well, that's wonderful, Sophie. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to get you back down the track to see down how you go. Track, yes. <laughs> so. The plan is to have a conversation with you about some of the work you're doing in terms of building cultural capability yes. and um, what's going on in schools and different projects and initiatives yeah. that are happening that are about making a difference for our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander learners. So, for sure. So let's kick off with where we start. Building cultural capability, maybe? Yeah. Building cultural capability is a huge lot of information. Um, someone said to me in central office once, uh, they can't build capability unless they have the capacity. And that made me think for weeks, you're, you're actually right. If they don't have the capacity to, it's up to that personal, personal you know, view to. Uh, we're convincing middle leaders or principals. Um, they can do it, but how do you filter that same cultural capability out to the rest of the school. It's so doable. You just need to follow. Like I've done examples like a class just today, um, role modelling a yarning circle in a class by just going out to the, the, their oval and collecting leaves. That was simple. That was half an hour that took. And the kids were so enthralled in it. Um, being role models when building cultural capability, I think, has an effect. You mm. can talk till your cows come home, or your horses, um, and have a beautiful PowerPoint, but it doesn't have an effect where it actually hits them or touches them, where it, um, actually I need to do cultural capability for my kids in the school. Mm. So what you're saying is it really is reliant on the individual deciding that that's something they need to invest in for themselves? I think so, yeah. I really do. In my 13 years of being Crossing Cultures person to go to, I haven't done those hidden history posters trade for about two years. People just wanted to get to know their kids. So let's start there. Who are your kids in your school? So we we, we do um, a big wall of all your South Sea kids, all your Aboriginal kids, Torres Strait. Uh, how many parents at home? Uh, where do they live? Are they working parents? That sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And you'll have your cohort of middle leaders and Indigenous workers alongside you, working towards. Okay, this is where we are with this family or this two students. Go from there. That's a start. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that, Sophie, because you and I did a road trip a couple of years yeah. ago and did visits with this particular yeah. lens. And one of the things that really um, struck me at that time and continues, and, and I didn't say what I'm most proud of, so I'm, oh, I'll just sorry. backtrack and, no, that's all right. Um, I forgot about that bit, but what I'm most proud of is how our school leaders continue to take up the challenge of what more can they do to make a difference right. for every kid in their school yeah. you know and it's it is about every student succeeding it but it's that constantly striving for what else can we do and sometimes it's in the most trying circumstances you know mm. difficult circumstances but it's always 
how, how do we break through to make a difference? Yeah. Um, anyway, going back to thinking about yeah. that piece around knowing your students, yeah. um, what impressed me at that time was how the school leaders could talk about their students and their families yeah. and the connections and knowing who to talk to that for kids and and not just immediate but extended uh, people in the community that can yeah. walk alongside them to right. support the learners. Yeah. And you don't know what you don't know, true. Like if you don't know, don't you won't say it. A lot of teachers come to me and say, oh, I'm not comfortable doing that. I said, I'm so happy you've told me that because we can work towards something. And that's how they start. They just, I just don't know my kids to, to be saying or teaching that sort of stuff. And I thought, well, let's start there before we go any further. So you've hit the nail on the head because mm. when you're talking about that cultural capability and, you know, the going out to collect leaves, it made me think about that lack of confidence that so many educators have in that they... Yeah. It's not that they don't want to, but there's a fear that they'll do something oh. wrong because they're not culturally aware yeah. and it's that yep. not, not sure what to do or how to overcome that. So have you got any tips in that space? Yeah, I think people overthink it, I think. You know, your, your perception is Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. You think um, culture first. Just think about environment. Think about the land that this year's made up being this healing land. So just go outside, we take a long time to think. Um, we're contextualising what you're talking about, especially when we're in a conversation, I'll take longer to understand what you're saying. So you just go slower. There's a slower understanding that we have. Building uh, your connection to country, you have horses, we're talking about animals. What else do you have around yourself? You've got trees, you've got your, your little creek, so you go down there for a walk, let's go for a look, take your class down there for a look. Isn't that part of the cultural awareness of where you're involved in the environment? Sustainability, oh my gosh, we could do so much around mm. that in cross-cultural priorities, you know, there's heaps of stuff that we can do with Indigenous, non-Indigenous people can just go for a walk around their school and just think, what do we do? You've got to ground this yarding service, this sand, this what can we do just land everybody does land stuff yeah it's absolutely there in yeah. the curriculum isn't it that's right yeah this is the first step the second step would be go to the local indigenous people of the place that you're on there isn't any well we'll find some people but you can still do what you can do if you've got if you've got a love for animal food use that okay food what do the indigenous people have yeah. And you've got all the text there in the curriculum, but there's heaps of stuff now on YouTube where you can just go and have a look. Like I've seen some stuff about the skies and stars lately. Oh my gosh, anybody can do that. I think you overthink the Aboriginal, what does it mean, what does it mean? But it's our pedagogy, that's the way we learn. We take notice of their surroundings first before what we say. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it, it's interesting you um, talk about the pedagogies and we were just yarning before we pressed record. One of our shared experiences is the book Teaching Indigenous Students. Did you want to talk about that? Oh, I love that book. I still carry it around like a little Bible. When we did that um, little book review, I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm learning stuff here too. 
which was amazing. And I think it was the first step towards me going to teaching because I thought, I can do this. All these things in this book I can do. I want to share and tell everybody now. How do I share it with Angie and Pete and um, Trude and Kath Lawless because she was doing it too then. I thought, let's just do this. And then people just ran with it. Let's go do Walk on Countries. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll get to the Walk on Countries, but the book we're talking about, and we'll put a link oh, in the show yeah. notes, um, yeah. Teaching Indigenous Students, it's by Thelma Perso and Colleen Hayward. Yeah. Have you been sharing that in schools? Yes, I have. Um, so... When I do my cultural awareness, sometimes it's ad-libbed and they make it up on the spot. I'll go to a page and then use it and show them where I've got it from. Oh, this is what it says in this book. Mm. And then they can see where, oh, my gosh, that's what it is. But, yeah, this is the eight ways of learning. Mm. And this is what I'm doing with how I'm doing the cultural awareness training today. So that becomes more real to them as I share the book. Yeah, and it is, it is a great text. We yeah. love doing the book club. There was so many insights in that, and, and for myself too. I, yeah. There were some real aha moments that made sense, so yeah. we highly recommend it. It was yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, loved the book. Hey, let's go back to talking about knowing your students, and you were talking about working with middle leaders and principals and, and teachers and mm. them knowing their students, and we're talking about family and connections, but really important part is understanding language. Did you want to talk a little bit about... Yeah, yeah I love language, as you know. Um, I'm very IALD, as you, as you know. So it's very... Um, how do you explain a person that, you know, comes from Australia? Um, you talk like I do, but you just sound different. I'm IALD because um, I'm taking a little bit more time to think, to contextualise your words so I can make it mine. When we're talking in a group, I'll often tell the middle leaders, can you just explain that again? But uh, simpler. I've got a colleague in my pod, and she will know who this is, and she says, can you white explain it? I said, oh my gosh, that's what I'm doing. I'm asking people to contextualise it because I'm doing my language. And I don't know what you're talking about, especially with the big words that we use now, and government uses big words. Language, as you can tell, that we have our own home language. When they're in school, they have their own home language. Um, language is, as a subject is huge at the moment. Everybody wants language as a subject. You first got to understand your cohort of families to have that and know your community yeah. and have that relationship with the local people too that have language in your school. They're very eager to have language in our school. They actually love it that we're speaking it, but they're still trying to work out how that works. Yeah, and there's really important that, again, those relationships and the yeah. investment in that partnership because if you are going down the path of introducing the local language as the language other than English in yeah. the school, yeah. you want that to be sustainable. Yeah. So there's lots that needs to be considered and yes. strong partnerships is the foundation, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Coming back around to language for our young people, yeah. I think often though as educators we don't fully appreciate that students are in the school in an environment where it is a different language and we don't acknowledge 
in the first instance and then understand the impacts, mm. which is more even more important, that they are speaking English as a second or an additional yeah. language and it's different to home language yes. and we don't probably acknowledge that well for mm. our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander learners. Yes. You can see it in primary school, Trude. Um, grade three or four, if you watch STEM, they're probably the best ones to have a look at when you're, you're teaching. And by the time, say about one o'clock, they'll start to get tired uh, if they haven't got food. So they need to make sure they've got food mm. because they're still trying to think, what have I done this morning? You take that three, four grade, and then when they get to high school, the same thing's happening there, but it's newer stuff. It's building, it's overwhelming. How do they? Yeah. So it's like the cognitive load that all that thinking yes, that's what it is, required. That cognitive. Yeah. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. And I, I just I remember too um, when I had this aha moment quite a number of years ago that, you know, when I was a principal and I welcomed to my school students from the Philippines and discovered that, that they could speak English as well as their. Yeah home language yeah. um you know you'd high five them and say oh you're so clever fancy speaking two languages and then i realized i'd never actually acknowledged that in any of my aboriginal students or my torres strait islander yeah, kids yeah, that yeah. that's actually a, an amazing achievement and we need to acknowledge that it is yeah. quite an achievement for them to master yeah. and they need support to be able to do that just like our students from different backgrounds, yes. you know, our international students exactly. and migrant students. So, and we've got great resources available to us oh, to support that. Yep. I remember at school, when I was at school, they used to tell us not to, you know, you talk like this. So we had to change it like that. And then, yeah, then my language changed too, but I still, I'll go back to it now, it's more easier. But when you get told not to say it like that, mm. then you've got to, you I don't know what to say. So you say nothing. And that's... that's another language. Yeah, and, and don't we see that too where our students shut down? Yeah, yeah. No, it's become, become silent. So walk on country, you mentioned that before and, and that's uh, something that's been taken up in the region and, and yeah. is growing. So talk to us about that. Sophie. Uh, Jalala, Stronger Smarter, did a walk on country here at Durumbo. We, I picked the people from different regions to come in and just to see how, how we'd go. And um, gosh, we had people from Longreach, Mackay, Gladstone, Emerald, and here. And um, the impact of non Indigenous people walking on country for the first time, you can't explain the feeling and the cultural capability you build by just walking on a country of people with an Aboriginal elder, Aboriginal uh, traditional owners, and they're speaking language to it at the same time. And it's, it's, a, it's an awesome feeling. I haven't done it for years, but doing it with Durumbal, I've noticed I was looking after my non-Indigenous cohort because they were feeling it, but they weren't sure what they were feeling. So as they walk through country and he's naming different you know, trees and what it does or fire farming, we only fire farm this side of the, the tree because it's got an ant on the other side. Gosh, I've just learned something. What it does is your brain is, you're going back in time, like you're going back in time walking with the people. So when you're teaching or getting to know your traditional owners or families, 
you you sort of change into somebody else. I noticed with a whole lot of the crew that we even our uh, two wives that came in and Pete said I didn't expect to get this affected. I just wanted to come and walk on country so we could sort of do something about it. But that feeling, then sitting down and doing uh, a lesson at the end of the whole was amazing. Um, there's four non-Indigenous people with uh, 13 others and we found it more easier than they did. So we sat in groups with our non-Indigenous counterparts. I had a principal and a teacher. I said, why don't we just do this for grade fives for two weeks? Yeah. And I did grade threes and I did preppies. Yeah, so you did a unit plan for the... Yeah. For the experience, straight after the walk yeah, on country, wow. because we felt it, we saw it, we, we had that subject there ready to go, and um, everybody just had their mind just all into it. Because I was thinking differently, so was that other principal. She said, "No, safe, let's do it like this." And the ideas that just came out was mm. like, "Oh my gosh, we can actually do this." It must be an amazing experience because. A couple of the principals that I work with that were a part of that program have explained yeah. it as life-changing, That and that's their words, not mine. Yeah. Are we planning to have more of those opportunities? Watch the space, True. I think we are. We've had contacts with the owner. She's, well, she's a traditional owner of Rockhampton. She's been talking to um, the elders here, and uh, it looks like we're going to have another one at the end of this year. So we'll see how we go. And Cindy... Uh, yes. has done this sort of work in Mackay as well, hasn't she? Yes, Cindy's been um, taking principles on walks on countries for the well, last few years now, I think, and having a curriculum person follow and going back with, taking them back to their schools and um, talking about putting it into their classrooms. Yeah. So it's been exciting up there too. They've done heaps. And there's work happening at... Um, Emerald. Yeah, Emerald yes. Blackwater. Yes. Um, the lovely Lisa out there has um, really pushed um, walks on countries out that way, uh, which is excellent. We need those walks out there um, alongside Charmaine too. So it's been brilliant. Charmaine's been going back to her own countries and telling her stories, which is great. Seems to be growing, like you said, Trude. Once they walk on country, everybody just wants to, okay, what can we do? What can we do? So yeah. we really need to have that conversation around, okay, let's do this, but how do we do it? I know that Kath Baller has returned to work and at the moment is doing some work around our Aboriginal Torres Strait yeah. Islander strategies and what we're doing across the region and pulling all that together for us. So. That's right. We're pulling it all together just to put it together. We're doing too many things and if we can just concentrate on something that we need to, like if, it's, if it is curriculum, then let's do it, how do we do it? But everybody's on the same page. Yep. Then we can get it to community and share that. Mm. And that when they understand what we're doing, everybody can. I've had elders from the Gungaloo now want to do walks on countries out of Marinvillo. But it would be great to have a plan on how we're going to do this. Continuing with the building cultural capability, so if you've got the hidden histories in your notes here, so where's that at? So, Trude, I haven't actually done the hidden histories for a little while now. I've done uh, a few with some schools because they do it themselves, but they've even taken it further. 
So the posters that we have, the beautiful posters that have been around for about 20, 30 years, they're, they're pulling them apart to use in their own context. Mm-hmm. Um, even the, the sensitive ones in poster two, three, four, where we talk about you know invasion and federation. I've shown, I've taught other non-Indigenous people how to use the posters. They're very friendly, interactive posters. I'd rather do that than walk alongside them and they put it in their hats. Mm. English, science, because um, it's all in these posters. We just need to pull them apart and then say, okay, we've got this, a mangrove tree, for instance. Let's pull it apart. What does it do? And there's your hat. There's Mm. your science. There's environmental um, studies in there as well but it's um, using those in the way that school wants to so you can't do that for every school mm. every school's at their own pace yeah but they, they're still there just that people want to know different things at this time know your students has probably been at the forefront in the last year especially with COVID we can't get out mm. so we're doing online training or get to know our kids how can you get to know your kids mm. that's great yeah going from there the other bit that you've really highlighted is knowing and valuing your staff yeah, particularly yeah. your Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander staff and and what they bring yes 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 we need to make sure that we look after our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander staff um, I have Going about 14 CECs that I look after across the region. Um, and this year, they're, uh, they're celebrating 40 years of CECs in Queensland across the state. Uh, Townsville do it hugely, so I've got about 40 up there. Uh, we have 14, but we've got about 12 in our primary school. Um, and Indigenous education workers are Indigenous, but Sometimes we've got workers that are janitors, administration officers, um, just doing mainstream positions in our schools. That's what we like to see, not just having identified positions for identified people when they've got the qualifications and the skills. But we try to um, encourage the skills to um, upskill them, keep training them, keeping them um, in their skills as much as they can, if they've got the funds to keep them there. Uh, I encourage them to keep them there. Uh, we've got some great um, year 12s that are coming through that want to be teachers, but they're scared. Um, how do we do that? Can we do something to help them get to those positions? And I think the Indigenous education workers can help them get there. Mm. Yeah, and those career pathways, like your story at yes, the start yeah. of this episode, Sophia. Maybe too, even um, pointing them in the direction of this podcast. I'd imagine that there are, yes. um, you know, some of our employees out there would appreciate yeah. hearing um, not just this episode, but other episodes that yes. we've done and yes. some that are coming too. So keeps them connected with um, what's going on yes. in education and what opportunities are out there for That's them right. as well. Um, they they don't need to stay a teacher aid all the time. You know, encourage them to. Have a go at something else, even if it's youth work. I, I encourage them to upskill them and then keep them that way. But um, yeah, that'll be great. Mm. So, Sophie, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we haven't covered? 
it's mainly just you know getting to know your kids i think that's what forefront it is and that's all kids um i think what hit me once was when i went to a prep school and when a little white kid comes up and licks your arm says are you chocolate oh my gosh i don't know whether that i don't know what to do and um and the, the teacher came over and said, oh, she hasn't seen an Indigenous person before. Yeah, that impacted me from that. And I was still a teacher aide then. So I don't want another Indigenous person to come across another non-Indigenous child and say, you chocolate, or follow them around and wonder what they are. You know what I mean? Yeah, wow. A lot of learning somewhere. Yeah. That's not in schools, where is it? Yeah. Yeah, good point. Thanks, Sophie. Now, you know we do the fast five. Are you up for that challenge? Oh, I am. Okay. And uh, the first question, what was your first role in education and where was it, Sophie? Oh, my gosh. I was at in education, Queen's Beach State School in Bowen. Worked there for five years. The first job I had was teacher aide. I also was part-time admin and tuck shop convener. Oh, wow. <laughs> Get that one. Yeah, and that's home for you, isn't it? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, I was, um, I think I was 25. I was going to say. Age. Hmm? Yes, it was a long time ago. Okay. Um, and, but it was my old school and I knew some of the teachers, not all of them. Um, but it, it just seemed like homework back then. I thought, oh, I can do this. Teacher aid. Did a little bit of tuck shop convening and stuff, you know, part-time and then admin and stuff. Mm. What then happened for you to be in the role you're in now? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, wow. I was 10 years a teacher aid at, in Queen's Beach. Um, and I moved here 24 years ago. I was Glenmore State High School's first Aboriginal teacher aide. I had a CEC there, working in, first time I've worked in a high school for a very long time. I was in primary schools and preschools. Mm. Um, but that that just blew me away. I loved, I had great two great principals at that school for 10 years. And someone one year said, do you want to follow me around in this office? Come and help me do a Indigenous Education Workers Conference. I said, oh, okay, really? Then I met Lynn Foley, division director back then, and she encouraged us. She actually came to one of our uh, Cert 4 education meetings, which were only for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. She said, look, you're leaders. She told us we were leaders. She said, you can do anything you put your mind to. So I said, okay, I'll help out here. I followed the regional CEC around in this office for a little while. Said no for two years. And then in the 10th year, Oh, I said yes. Became the original CEC. That's great. So good. Good story. And the story continues. So yes, it is. Can't wait to hear how it all goes. So, Sophie, when you think about your work, what was the last thing that made you smile? Oh my gosh! Today, when I took that little whole school, can I mention the school? Sure. Prospect Creek State School. Very passionate, and uh, I took the whole school for a bit of a. I had to do an acknowledgement, so I showed them what does country mean to you, and they got it, Trudy. Yeah, wow. If kids can get it, it, it would be great if parents and other people in the community could get it too. And they walked around and got the leaves 
and they wrote their own way, ignoring the Gungaloo people because you know, they didn't like their wife. Trees, the cockatoos, the lizards, the beautiful butterflies in our trees at Crossbow Creek. Yeah, that's fantastic. That, that just, yeah, just blows me away. You were telling me too, just thinking about acknowledgement of country, you were telling me about a YouTube. Oh, yes. Just explain that one. Okay, so Jade Kennedy, I, um, I use it in my cultural awarenesses. He explains it in a way where it's like um, you're coming to my house, Trude. So when you come to my house, I'm welcoming you into my house, welcoming you to my country. Here's my lounge. Come and sit on the lounge, Trude. Mm -hmm. This is my very, very nice coffee table. Don't put your feet on that. That's sacred, though. Yeah. Then you go to the fridge. And then you go to the boys' and girls' room. Then he says, but you didn't do that. You didn't ask. You didn't knock to come into a country. So you came in. You put your foot on my my grandmother's table, you mucked up the boys' and girls' rooms without saying anything. You didn't even go, you can't even find the fridge. Still don't know where the fridge is. And this is how he explains it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a great way to explain acknowledgement to country. So I don't need to acknowledge because I'm already there. It's the others. Uh, it puts that perspective of, okay, so are we getting this right or what do we need to do? Yeah. Just gets people thinking. That sort of thing. And we'll put, again, we'll put it in the show notes so yes. people can see yes, it. Please. Thanks, Sophie. So what's your best book or film recommendation? Well, you know, my best book is my Bible. I've been reading that since I was five. Still read it and that's the only book I really have read. Um, I'm, I'm a reader. I've read stories to my cousins, my brothers and sisters, just to make them go to sleep, and make up funny stories with it, just to add whatever. And um, but the other only book is um, the Teaching Indigenous Students. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. Well, we'll put links to both of those in the show notes as <laughs> yeah, well, right. Sophie. I'm just checking though. Do you add lib to the Bible stories? I do, my darling. That would really? be hilarious. <laughs> well, you better, you know, bring it down to real people. Yeah. Gee. It's um, and my family's all into, you know, that's what it's in the Bible. You shouldn't be doing that sort of thing. And uh, I remember doing, saying it to you in one of my cultural awarenesses. I'm just going to let you know, I'm a Christian. Da 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 da. But I, you know, just blurted out the people are laughing at me about stuff that I don't even know was funny. But they're telling me, yeah, you're right, because I go to church and we. You know, we've got to love each other and trying to build that, you know, um, care for country and care for Indigenous people at the same time. People get it. Yeah. You know, it, we're just people, humanitarians. We're bringing human rights into everything now. Mm. There we go. Yeah. Thanks, Sophie. Okay, so what's your favourite quote? I like, um, it takes a village to raise a child. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had that all my life. I don't know how, but it just pops up in places where I least expect. Um, when I looked into that a couple of years ago, culturally and ethically, that's what our culture does. We look, it takes all of us. It doesn't take just me, mm. this little black duck here, but you too. Mm. I want you to have input into my child as well. I want the doctor too. I want the, you know, whoever else. Yeah. Um, it's an African proverb and um, it's, entire community of people must provide for and interact positively with children for 
for them to grow and live in a safe and healthy environment. Lovely. Makes sense to the school. Wouldn't that be a lovely school? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it is a good one. Okay, now I'm really curious about what you say next. As far as things to see in CQ, what's our best kept secret, Soph? Mm, this is a hard one, true. Okay, because I'm a beach person. I'm an island girl, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I love the beach. Mm -hmm. So any beach is right with me. But lately, in the last probably year. I'm actually enjoying just walking out on country. Uh, my sister owns a little bit of property outside of Marmore, and I've been going there just camping, just making big fires, looking at the stars, just going for a wander. Got a metal detector too, <laughs> that helps. Um, but if we can just get outside our little boxes and just walk our own countries, you know, maybe you told me a story that you walked a hill. Mm. I'd love to walk that hill. Mm. We've got country that's that's undiscovered I mean you've got all the famous places and like you know I've heard all your podcasts and they go there go somewhere you've never been before and just have a look stop look and listen around your own backyard mm. I mean we don't want to travel we've got beautiful things just in the backyard of us and our CQ region yeah well yeah so that's my favorite that's awesome Thanks, Sophie. And it's been great to have the conversation with you. I really appreciate you coming in and recording with I'm me. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I like it. Thank you. And look, if you have any suggestions or recommendations for future podcasts or you'd like to give us the gift of feedback, positive or negative, you can email us at cqcommunications at qed.qld.gov.au. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app. You'll find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Deezer. And if you know of an educational leader in central Queensland who may also enjoy listening to the conversations, please help us spread the word by telling them about the podcast or forwarding the email that comes each fortnight with the show notes. Thanks, so. Thanks, too. Thank you for listening to Central Queensland Region's Reading and Learning Podcast. We trust this conversation has given you the information and inspiration to lead so that every student in our region succeeds.